Hello, and welcome to this video interview we've entitled What Three Medical Truth Tellers Had to Endure and What Advice They Have for You. My name is Maureen McDonald, and I'm the host of this interview. It is my honor to bring you three of my esteemed colleagues and friends, Dr. Andrew Wakefield, Dr. Paul Thomas, and veteran, nurse, and mom, Janet Presson. During the 40 years that I was a holistic registered nurse, I watched the slow and methodical takeover, actually hijacking, of the medical profession by the vaccine industry and the pharmaceutical industry. Now, many of us who witnessed this takeover are being called to expose the propaganda and the lies that have been perpetuated by this corrupt system and shine the light on the truth. It's exactly what happens in this video today. The idea to do this video came about when several of us from Millions Against Medical Mandates, nomandates.org, were discussing the fact that each of these individuals were targets of medical persecution. Dr. Wakefield on an international level, Dr. Paul Thomas on a national and state scale, and Janet Presson locally here in Western North Carolina. Their stories and their responses to the incredibly sinister tactics the medical boards and the press funded by Big Pharma used to carry out their character assassinations is something that everyone concerned with their freedom needs to hear. In this interview, you will hear the reasons why these three professionals became targets of a witch hunt, what they learned from their experiences and what advice they have for the rest of us, the other truth tellers. We are at a critical time in history when it's imperative to shine the light on the darkness by speaking the truth. So if you're so inclined after watching this video, please share it with others and please stay connected and stay involved by going to Millions Against Medical Mandates at nomandates.org. Today, I'm delighted and quite honored to welcome Dr. Andrew Wakefield, Dr. Paul Thomas, and veteran, nurse, and mom, Janet Preston. So welcome, everyone. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. all three of you for agreeing to do this interview. We named it From Global to Local, What Happens When Doctors and Nurses Speak the Truth? The concept came about when several of us in the Millions Against Medical Mandates uh, movement were discussing the fact that each of you have been targets of medical persecution. Andy on an international scale, Paul on a state and national level, and Janet locally here in Western North Carolina. Your stories and your responses to the incredibly sinister tactics the medical boards and the press funded by Big Pharma used to destroy your lives and livelihood is something citizens concerned with their freedom need to hear about. So first of all, I'd like to ask each of you to take three to five minutes to tell people watching this video a little bit about what you did to provoke the witch hunt that ensued when you were targeted as a medical heretic. So let's start with you, Dr. Wakefield, since you were the first that this happened to. Um, tell us a little bit about what you were doing um, in your profession that provoked this reaction from the medical board and the press? Certainly, Maureen. Well, I started as a, an entirely mainstream gastroenterologist. I trained in surgery. I was researching at the Royal Free Hospital in London into Crohn's disease and osteoarthritis, colitis. And I had a big research team. We were doing some very exciting work, publishing a great deal. And then on the 17th of May, 1995, I got a call from a mother whose child had had an MMR vaccine, had a very bad reaction, had a seizure, had fevers, and had woken up never the same again, and ultimately diagnosed as autistic. And she'd come to me because the child had terrible, unresolved gastrointestinal issues uh, that she wanted my help with. So in a nutshell, she said, there is a, an epidemic of this particular type of problem, and uh, I need your help. She told a very good story. She wasn't anti-vaccine. She'd taken a child to be vaccinated. She was just telling me the consequences. And the way I was trained in medicine is you listen to the patient. First and foremost, you put the concerns above all others. So I put together a, a large team, including John Walker-Smith, the world's leading pediatric gastroenterologist at the time, we investigated the children and the parents were right. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, these children had an inflammatory bowel disease that when treated not only led to resolution of their 
gastrointestinal problems, but also their autism, far and away more than could be expected just by taking a child out of pain and improving their quality of life. They started speaking again for the first time in, in five years, using the same words, using complex sentences. And so there was something here. And being academic, we did it 180 times by the time I left the Royal Free, and it happened virtually every time. So we published in The Lancet a paper um, on the first 12 children in the standard format of medical observation that you start with the anecdote, you report the cases and say, this is unusual. We can draw no conclusions, but this needs further work. And that's where we left it. Before we published, we went to the Department of Health in the UK, the head of the vaccine secretariat and said, we think there may be a problem that needs looking at. This is going to get attention when it comes out you need to be aware of it. So we were behaving like Boy Scouts. Little did we know that we were sowing the seeds of our own, uh, certainly for me, my own destruction. So the paper came out and there was chaos because the media traditionally report these things, you know, vaccine linked to autism and so forth. And, and it was not until many years later that I then started getting followed by a journalist uh, from the Sunday Times, Rupert Murdoch's Sunday Times and Murdoch was heavily involved in vaccination and what had happened behind the scenes is he'd appointed his son or had his son appointed to the board of GlaxoSmithKline, the UK's major MMR vaccine manufacturer as a non-executive director and his job was to protect that company's uh, reputation in the media and my, I was his target and he came after me in a big way and he recruited a journalist to, who did, and, and was a remarkable person in as much that he cared not an I, a jot for the truth. He had his story, he made up his story, and that was going to be it. And I was accused of all kinds of things, medical malpractice, abusing children, uh, no ethical approval, um, making money, producing a vaccine, of my, all kinds of things came out. And so what I was an insider who had broken the rules. I cross the Rubicon and, and what that led to was a concerted attack that I was unaware of as it mounted until it was unleashed from not only the mainstream media from News International and the major pharmaceutical companies but also the American Academy of Pediatrics, the Royal College of Pediatricians in the United Kingdom, the Department of Health the American Medical Association, the CDC, it was, <laughs> it was, it seemed like it at the time there was me and there was them. And so I was a little outnumbered. Um, I, I that's always, really in a nutshell. Sorry, go on. No, no. I always had a question about this type of thing, especially in your case, but this particular journalist um, versus a physician of your stature, I mean, did he have a degree, a doctorate maybe in medicine or science? How did he... No training at all, nothing, no science, no background at all. He, he had reported on the use of AZT in AIDS some in the early years, but beyond that, no, he had no credentials whatsoever. He was chosen because he was, he manifest all the clinical features of a psychopath. And I can say that without fear of any retribution or being sued. He, that's what he, 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 he had truth. He didn't care about anybody else's truth. He was right. And that was it. And he was a perfect foil for, for the journalists, uh, sorry, for the, for the Sunday time. Perfect. Because he would say these things and, and have no fear of, of retribution. Uh, we did, we, I've, I've actually moved to sue him twice, but was denied jurisdiction to sue an English journalist in the United States of America, which is a great shame. So the, the case never mm. came to court on its merits. It, it was uh, denied on jurisdiction. Nonetheless, um, that is really, in a nutshell, the story. And so I lost my medical license. Uh, I was unable to appeal because I had no funding to do so. But in appeal, John Walker Smith, who was also struck off, also lost his license, uh, won. Justice Mitting, the first time this had come before a proper judiciary, the English High Court, he completely destroyed the General Medical Council's case against us reinstated Professor Walker Smith immediately said this should never happen again. The GMC is not fit to hear evidence that I could not appeal, uh, or at least my appeal could not be reinstated because it had been withdrawn because I had no funding. So I, it remains for me where, where it is right now. But nonetheless, the 
case against the Lancet was demolished. The irony of that story, Andy, because I've known you since the beginning of that story, <laughs> is that you, your message, your popularity, your notoriety is more profound. It's more, you're more well known now as someone who makes great films and tells the truth um, than you were as a physician, maybe. I mean, I know you were a great physician and you were well known, but now you're known internationally and your plight is known internationally and people believe you because you've been telling the truth all these years. So that's gotta feel, that's gotta feel pretty good. It is on the one hand, but it's very sad that in large part people know the truth because they've experienced it themselves at first hand in their families or their, or themselves indeed. So vaccine awareness, vaccine safety awareness, the dangers of vaccines have never been more to the forefront of, of human consciousness than they are now for obvious reasons. But um, it's a shame that it should have to become self-evident by virtue of the level of damage that's occurred. Right, exactly. And, and with that, um, Dr. Paul Thomas, I know you recently <laughs> have uh, also been the target of uh, medical heresy. And, and uh, so how, what exactly happened in your profession with your work that led to this, uh, to this attack and loss of your license and all the hassles you're going through now in Oregon? Well, thank you for having me on, and uh, what an honor to follow my hero, Andy Wakefield. As I tease, I've now been Wakefielded. Um, <clears throat> Andy, I always admired you because I heard you speak at conferences. Actually, I think these were conferences that you helped put on, Maureen, Defeat Autism Now, back in the beginning days. And I was always impressed with your character and ability to, to just, as you used to say, I do this for the patients right? It's, it's for these parents, it's for these kids, and you never seem to have a care about all the terrible things you were going through. Anyhow, I just wanted to give you that, that uh, recognition. Uh, there isn't a finer man walking the earth if you don't know Andy Wakefield. I'll tell you a funny story, though. One of my kids in high school was writing a, a paper about uh, fraud in medicine, and they wrote this really lengthy paper about this doctor called Andy Wakefield. <laughs> I'm going, kids, kids, Come on, but that's how, how, what a great job the media did at continually smearing your name so that anywhere, anybody who searches online, probably today, it's still misinformation everywhere. Anyhow, uh, I get to join you now in the, in the journey. I'm a pediatrician, board certified. I went to Dartmouth Medical School, taught residents and medical students for many, many years, went into private practice with four other pediatricians, did that for 13 years, and for four years in a row, 2004, five, six, and seven, I witnessed in my own practice a normal, healthy one-year-old who was starting to make sounds or words and had great eye contact and social and everything on track, watch them regress into severe autism by age two. And the first time it was like, oh, this is what they're talking about. And by the time it was the fourth room, I walked into what was supposed to be a normal two-year-old well visit. and the little fellow was just shaking his head, no ability to reach eye contact. I was just like, it was it. I cannot do business as usual. I already knew too much by then. I mean, anybody who's wondering, just look for yourself at the literature. It is just robust. We know now what is causing neurological damage. It's, it's direct poisoning from toxins. It's too many vaccines too soon with immune activation. We know the mechanisms, aluminum toxicity, Mercury toxicity was what we were onto in the beginning when, before they got the mercury out of the vaccines. It's not a mystery. Okay, so I go to my partners and I say, I can't do business as usual. This was back in 2007. And basically they showed me the door. They said, it's unethical not to follow the CDC schedule. So we're not gonna be able to practice together. I thought my career was over, but it was the biggest blessing ever because I got to set up my clinic integrative pediatrics in June of 2008, we opened and we had one principle that was non-negotiable. And that was every parent was gonna be given full informed consent when it came to vaccines. True of any medical procedure, you need to have the risks and the benefits pointed out. And if it's true informed consent, one of the options should be not doing the procedure. And this is what's not happening in medicine today. My peers in this town that I work in, 
almost every single one of these clinics are discharging patients who won't follow the CDC schedule. It's, it's not even negotiable. You, you follow the CDC schedule or there's the door. That's what I call bullying. That is definitely not informed consent. So fast forward a few more years, I uh, published a book. Actually, I got an IRB to look at my data in 2015. And the data was so overwhelmingly uh, just the unvaccinated kids just don't get sick. That's what I was finding. I thought, this is ridiculous. I, I was not successful in getting it published, got it all written up in a journal that had accepted a previous publication just as I had written it up. Went on and wrote my book, The Vaccine Friendly Plan. That was the beginning of my troubles. My mom says, did you have to put a bullseye on yourself? Um, I waited, uh, I'm a bit, I'm a little chicken, right? I, I saw what happened to Andy and I had a family of nine children I'm raising and I'm thinking, it, you know, I, I knew before I wrote that book, what was going on. But I, I'll have to admit, I was fearful. I wanted to finish raising my kids. But by the time I wrote the book, I figured, all right, what's gonna happen is gonna happen. So that brings us to present day. Uh, within a year or two of that book coming out, I started getting board complaints. So the Oregon Medical Board would just have these bogus complaints. They didn't seem to come from patients because my patients are all happy and doing well. And then in 2019 in January, after they said, well, you need to prove that what you're doing is as safe as the CDC. That was the, the request at that time from the board. I thought, well, the CDC's never proven what they're doing is safe, but okay, since you asked, I'm gonna do this. So I hired an outside expert to come in and do a deep data dive into my data, looked at every patient born into my practice up until that time. So we had 10 and a half years of data and the data was astounding. Almost no autism, much less than the going rates and a lot less almost anything we looked at. Now that was a QA project, quality assurance. So thought, let's see if we can get this published. So we got an IRB, Institutional Review Board, to look at the data formally, de-identify it and get it published. That publication came out just this last couple months and uh, it's called The Relative Incidence of Office Visits and Cumulative Rates of Build Diagnoses Along the Access of Vaccination. Sorry about the long title, but it's basically the vaxxed versus unvaxxed study we've been waiting for using real world data, the patients born into my practice, so they're, they're not that different, right? The ones who don't vaccinate just don't vaccinate, but they're all living in the same general area, same socioeconomic. We looked at, in this study, we looked for all sorts of variables so that we address them. And what we found, you guys can probably put it up, but what we found, if you look at the orange lines, those are the high rate of these conditions in the vaccinated compared to the blue line in the unvaccinated. And it didn't matter what we looked at, whether it was asthma, eczema, ADD, ADHD, infections, the unvaxxed had very little illness, very little disease at statistical levels that would, you know, shock anybody who knows science. I mean, we're talking incredible statistical significance. Five days after this was published, the Oregon Medical Board had an emergency meeting. So somehow this was an emergency. And I get a call the next day from my attorney. He says, Paul, I don't know if you know this, but I just got a call from Warren Foote. He's representing the state. And they had an emergency meeting and pulled your license. You've been suspended. Oh. And I was like, oh, I mean, I knew they were after me, but just a couple weeks before they had been requesting more information. They're always requesting information. So they were requesting the sales figures from my book What's, what's that got to do with anything? And any relationships I've ever had with any supplement companies and how much money I made and all of this. So clearly this article was so threatening for, for the uh, authorities or the people who um, stand to profit from the sale of vaccines that a study that would show vaccines in a negative light would be threatening, I imagine. As yours was, Andy, yours was sort of that first study to say, hey, maybe we've got a problem here. So that's the short update. Uh, and thank you for uh, letting me share that long story. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Dr. Thomas. And um, I, I can't wait to hear from all three of you in terms of um, what advice you have for others out there who are attempting to tell the truth. But first, let's hear from my good friend, Janet Cresson. Again, she's a veteran. She has her master's in nursing. 
and she's a mom of an adult uh, young man who was injured by vaccines. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for you too, Janet, and can't wait for you to share your story. What's going on locally? My name is Janet Presson. I served in the Air Force, um, but not as a nurse. I went to nursing school after I got out of the Air Force, um, got my BS in, and I was actually in nursing school when my son was vaccine injured. Um, actually, my master's is in counseling. It's a master's of education in counseling, so a little different. The persecution I've been dealing with, I mean, and again, it's local, so it's not national, international yet, but I think that it's real important for them to try to shut us down at the lowest possible level. And I've seen it over and over again, I'm sure you all have, where they try to stop doctors and nurses. You know, if you start to speak out, if you start to question, they want to slap you down immediately and they will take your job or they will take your license or they will write you up or they will do something to shut you up so that we all comply. And really what, where my story started, um, like I said, Rob was vaccine injured. I've been going, I went to most of the Dan conferences. So I've seen, seen Dr. Wakefield speak many, many times. And, and so I, I've been well-versed in this. I started an agency that provided Medicaid waiver services for about 18 years that I've since sold. Um, and we work primarily with folks with autism, which a lot of the parents told me it was vaccine injury, and I had already seen that with my own son. Um, back in July of 2019, Maureen and I did a forum at the local library here in Waynesville, and it was entitled, Vaccines, Are They Really Safe and Effective? And we got the attention of the media at that point, the local media, some local newspapers and TV stations were there to cover it. And a particular reporter, Corey Valencourt with Smoky Mountain News, did a very, very unflattering article. And I basically called him out in an email afterwards because he either didn't understand the information we presented or he didn't pay attention at all. It was, he did a, he did a, it was about a four page article, but a lot of it was about Andy Wakefield, which we had, we may have mentioned Dr. Wakefield and what happened to him and his work. We may have mentioned it, but really we were talking about ingredients and side effects and what had happened to my son and what we've seen in our practices. And, you know, we didn't tell people whether to vaccinate or not, but again, we were labeled anti-vax immediately. And like I said, it was just a big hit piece. Um, after that came out, I, I've been on the board of a local foundation, and I've been on that board of directors for a couple of years now, and I was on it at the time, but I didn't mention that. And Corey decided he wanted to get me put off that board because I, I'm not working locally, so I guess he couldn't get me fired. So he decided to get me put off that board, and he started contacting the other board members. And it did not work. They decided I do have the right, you know, First Amendment right to speak about, you know, things that I so choose. And again, I was not ever representing the board. I never mentioned that I was on that board. I've been very, very active. Um, over the last year with COVID, talking about masks and vaccinations and mask mandates and, and the upcoming vaccine mandates and how to improve health and that kind of thing because our health department is not doing a good job of getting out information to people on how they can truly improve their health. And so if and when they do get COVID, they can fight it off instead of just waiting on you know a mask and staying six feet apart and then this upcoming vaccine to save their lives because we all know that's, that's not really gonna be effective. Corey did another article last week and it was very, very unflattering. It was just about me and basically calling me anti-mask and anti-vax and, and really ramping up trying to get me put off the board and he's contacted the board members and he's basically bullying them um, to put me off the board and there's supposed to be another article on me this week so it's just an attack, personal attack. Well, that, that's, that's incredible. And like I was saying to Dr. Wakefield, I think it's, it's apparent in all three situations that, um, and, it's, and it's, it's national, it's global, that the press is, they're paid, they're paid. They're propagandizing uh, as a result of being paid. And they don't have the background, they don't have the knowledge, they don't have the medical experience, and yet they have the, pulpit. They're out there with their megaphone in, in all forms of journalism. And uh, it's just, it's so unfair because now with censorship, 
being so rampant, we can't even debate. And, and it's, it's, it's so unfair. So people are not getting the right information. But as you, all three of you were talking, someone told me this quote the other night, um, courage is love in action. And I think you're all, three of you are incredible examples of being so courageous. And I know where the love comes from. It comes for and from your love of children and that every child in the world has the right to, um, to be healthy and not be injected with toxic substances that will interfere with their behavior, their growth, um, their development. And so, you know, we're all coming from such a great place and it's so unfortunate that you've all had to experience um, the, the results of being so courageous and you've had to experience this, this backlash. So um, what would you do or what would you say to someone who's, um, and again, Andy, I think we'll start with you, like someone who is coming up against this, maybe somebody in medical school or someone in their residency who's starting to see the, the look through beyond the veil and see um, that the pharmaceutical industry really is dominating the medical profession and that vaccines are becoming more and more, um, it, it's just pushed into our culture. And, you know, for me as a pediatric nurse starting out back when, you know, five vaccines were given to kids, now 26 in the first year, 52 before age five, 72 before they're 18. I mean, this is absurdity. So people, are starting, I believe, to think a little bit more critically. They're scratching their heads there. Maybe they're asking about the masks. Maybe they're asking about the logic of the lockdowns. Um, maybe they're asking about this COVID vaccine that it really isn't a vaccine and that's a whole other discussion. But say someone you meet um, at a conference or whatever at, uh, they recognize you and they say, Dr. Wakefield, like wh what advice do you have for me? I, I'm I'm really seeing the light. I'm, I'm seeing the truth. And yet, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know what to do. What, what would you say to them? I think if you are, if you're someone who is, is now awoken to what's really going on, you have to ask yourself a very basic question about why you're doing what you're doing. If you're prepared to tolerate it and to let it continue, then you're in the wrong job and you need to get out. And you need to get out because ultimately it will destroy you. Ultimately, knowing what you know, at some stage you're going to have to face your children and your grandchildren. You're going to be on your deathbed and people are going to wonder what you did when this happened. And if you are prepared to tolerate it to protect your reputation or your finances, then you're a lost cause. Um, the other thing to bear in mind is that it's not about you. It really isn't about you. It took me a long time to realize this because, as Paul, you will certainly know, and you also know from the local newspaper that, that it certainly feels about you when it's going on because they target you. They make it personal, even though it's not personal. They don't know you as a person. They have a job to do, and that is to protect the pharmaceutical industry's profiteering through whatever mechanism they can do it, and that is to go after you. But if you keep in mind that it is not actually about you. It makes it much easier to deal with. And the other thing to bear in mind is that it only works as long as you let it work. Their approach, their strategy, their, their destruction of people or their attempted destruction of people and therefore ideas and truth only works if you allow it to work. And therefore you have to stand up and you have to be strong because the consequences of not doing it are far too great. And if you can't do that, if you find that you're unable to do that because it's too costly in terms of finances or reputation, then truly you are in the wrong profession and you need to move on. Great advice. And Dr. Thomas. Yeah, well, um, you're spot on there, Andy. Uh, I have two recent examples that answer your question in real world. One is I've got a medical student I've been mentoring who's in an MD PhD program and he's now about to finish his PhD this year and jump into third and fourth year, the final two years of medical school. And I have watched this COVID thing take him away. In other words, he, he was on board with the fact that there's risks and benefits and I seem to have him thinking clearly. And now this fear factor of COVID 
and he's in the academic setting where, uh, you know, most people are overwhelmed with it and cannot continue to see what's real when they're blasted 24 seven on any channel you turn on on the TV with people who are simply reading monitors. These, you know, reporters are not report, they're not investigative anymore. They're just simply talking heads. The other one I just had this week, a young man who just finished PA school, physician's assistant school, he almost got kicked out of his PA program simply for asking questions about vaccines. So when they were teaching him about vaccines, all they were telling him was, here's the schedule, you need to learn it, and vaccines are safe and effective. Look at a wonderful job they've done at eliminating all these old diseases. They always go back to smallpox and polio, et cetera. And as he brought forth good literature, uh, in, including he showed them my book and just all sorts of stuff that is, it's everywhere if you, if you care to look. Uh, he spent $10,000 defending himself because they were gonna kick him out of the program just for asking good questions. So he's asking me now this week, uh, what should I do, right? So he's, a, he's just got a job in a family practice clinic. He was gonna have his final interview. And it's a, one of those clinics that serves the uh, underserved and he was going to have to follow the CDC schedule. And he says, this is gonna be hard. And I said, based on what you've told me so far, it's going to be very hard for you. Uh, I suggest, he's also interested in holistic nutrition and real preventative medicine. And so I think if you're a doctor and you wanna do the ethical thing, you're going to have to challenge the system and find a niche where you can provide real healthcare that supports a person's immune system without destroying it with vaccines. Now he's fresh out of training. He needs to have some supervised education and I just lost my license so I can't do it. I can't supervise him or I would have. He'd be, a, he'd be a perfect candidate to teach him how to go through informed consent properly. And I actually gave him a little sideline training on that. But I said, go get some experience. My guess is in a few months, six to 12 months, you're not gonna be able to handle it in your spirit. You're just going to know you can't do that. If, when you know the truth you, and you choose to shut your eyes to it, uh, the discord is going to be so intense that you, I don't think you'd be able to live with yourself. Uh, and that's why when people ask me, well, do you, do you wish you hadn't written your book or do you wish? No, I'm so glad I woke up. You know, I started off like, like most of us in, on this call. We, we believed in vaccines. We thought they were the best thing we could do. They, we thought they were the most important thing for public health. Sadly, most of American pediatricians still think that way, despite the massive amount of information that says otherwise. So they just keep their blinders on. Vaccines are safe and effective. No, I'm not gonna look anywhere further. And uh, yeah, that Wakefield guy, that Paul Thomas guy, Oh, Janet Press, yeah, she's, you know, whatever. So, right, they, they just name call, discredit, so they can carry on. So if you're in the healthcare profession, uh, find a niche where you can speak the truth. Otherwise, like, like Andy said, you're gonna have to do something else. And uh, for those of you who are not in the healthcare profession who are learning about vaccine risk, I just ask you to remember this. It's a healthy immune system that keeps us healthy. And vaccines do something very, very sinister. They definitely shift your immune system. Possibly you're gonna make extra antibodies for just that thing that you're vaccinating against, but you're also now gonna be less able to fight other things because you're shifted towards allergy and autoimmunity. And this is why my paper that came out is so important because it looks at all health outcomes and you see that everything else is worse the more you vaccinate. Mm -hmm. You know, there's that quote by Buckminster Fuller, uh, if you're gonna change a system, don't fight against it, create a new one and make the old one obsolete. And I just feel like that's what we're all saying here too, is that um, the old system is crumbling. You know, um, maybe not everyone's awakened to that, but a lot of us are. And um, people can't really stand being silent anymore. There's no, there's no option but to speak the truth and I think looking toward a system that really focuses on what true health is. And, um, and way in the beginning of COVID, we, we did something, um, we put it on the MAM website, optimizing your health, minimizing your risk to give people the tools. Like you're saying, Paul, um, it's been drilled into us that vaccines are the way to protect us from infection. But in actuality, 
um, keeping our bodies healthy and strong and our immune system strong and building a healthy terrain, as uh, Beauchamp said when he argued with Pasteur, you know, that it's all about fresh air and good food and positive thoughts and, and uh, healthy living that's going to um, prevent this infection or minimize the symptoms if, if you do come across it. So uh, I think the model's shifting. I think the old paradigm is crumbling and, and all of you, um, and I'll throw myself in there too, um, and all of our colleagues who are awake and doing something about it are responsible uh, partially for the crumbling and the dismantling of that paradigm that no longer serves humanity. So uh, Janet, what, what advice do you have for nurses specifically or people who are waking up and, and wanna be brave like you, but maybe aren't quite as courageous, but uh, they know they have to do something. Right. I think that a lot of it comes down to working locally, making, you know, connecting with like-minded individuals and working together to educate the local county commissioners who basically own our, our health department, um, going to the town council meetings and speaking out, you know, educating on masks and vaccines. I'm telling you, every county commissioner knows exactly what happened to my son. Everybody on that town council, including the mayor, they know exactly what happened to my son and more and more people, and they need to hear that. And it's not just my child. People get up behind me and say, well, that happened to my child too. My child ended up with seizures after her vaccines or his, you know, and on and on and on. And that's what they need to hear. It's not just a one in a million. It is like one in a lot. It's one in every few. And I'm meeting a lot of doctors and RNs that know this and understand this, but they tell me they cannot speak out because they'll lose their jobs. They can't afford to lose their jobs. You know, everybody's got a mortgage and they've got a car payment and they've got, you know, kids to support and that kind of thing. So, but again, there's strength in numbers. We need to band together and keep speaking out because when there's all of us or when there's enough of us and and i think this this is so threatening it seems like the older doctors the ones that are just retiring wow they try to come after you because this is so they can't wrap their heads around the fact that they've done this and a bunch of them have been lied to by pharmaceutical companies and they just cannot face the fact that they were the ones vaccinating these children and causing the autoimmune diseases and the insulin dependent diabetes and the autism and the seizure disorders and the sudden infant death syndrome and that they cannot wrap their minds around the fact that they're the ones that have actually done this to a bunch of kids over the course of their careers i i, I tell people it's like i can't imagine being a pediatrician and realizing, okay, for the last 20 or 30 years, this is how many kids I've probably injured. You know, I think we, you know, if the truth ever comes out, it's just going to blow people's minds. We may see a rash of, you know, physician suicides from this because that's going to be hard to, to deal with. And these nurses that went in and gave these vaccines and argued with these parents and told these moms, know these things are safe and effective and your child will get measles or whatever if they don't. I had measles when I was less than a year old. They didn't hospitalize me. They, yeah, that's measles and sent me back home. It was no big deal back then. You know, everybody got measles, everybody got chicken pox, everybody got all these things and it was no big deal. So again, I'm really teaching, 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 reminding people healthy immune system, because again, it's not just COVID, it's gonna be something else behind that and something else behind that and the flu and car accidents. You know, you're 150 pounds overweight and you smoke or vape and you drink or do drugs and you eat nothing but nutritionally poor food. When you get into a car accident, you're not going to heal as well as somebody that's, you know, healthy and eating right and exercising regularly in a normal way. So it's, it's about health and the government. I keep telling people the government will not give you that. The government mandates will not give you that. So, you know, it's, it's a whole mindset that needs to change, but I'm having to do it locally, 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 but I, I think we're really making a difference. Wow. Well, that's, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. So, we're going to wrap this up now. I, I, I think this has been really helpful for a lot of people to hear your stories and to hear your advice. And I think what people want most is to take action. So what is your call to action to the folks watching this video? So Dr. Wakefield. Well, two, two things. Um, there is locally within the United States of America, there is no more important a cause at the moment than that of Dr. Paul Thomas. So contribute 
to that cause because the outcome for him is going to be a harbinger for the outcome for all of us. Okay, so protect those doctors who are prepared to stand up for you and and fight for your children. Um, education, get educated, because once you go down that rabbit hole, once you start getting educated about the truth about vaccine safety, then there's no coming back. You will change, it will change your mind. And, and I, what I found over the years, having published 150 scientific papers and books, it, it, that didn't make a great deal of difference apart from that Lancet paper. But film makes a huge difference. And so film is an extremely effective way of communicating an important message in detail to a lot of people. So that's why I've gone into filmmaking. And Vax had an impact that I we could never have anticipated, really triggered a movement around the world. And, and the latest film, 1986, the act continues that theme. So my future and the future of many of my colleagues will be in making those films. Bobby Kennedy has a big film coming out very soon, a very important film. I won't say more about it now, but it should be out in the next month or so. Make sure you watch that film on the same theme. And um, yeah, education, get educated. And, and bear in mind, bear in this in mind, that it might be easy to perceive that at the moment we are losing, we are in a dark place, we're under a barrage of attack. We are not. Please bear in mind that 40 to 60% of healthcare workers and more today, I just read an article about it right now, are declining the COVID vaccine. The media would label those anti-vaxxers. Suddenly those are anti-vaxxers, these are healthcare workers. What kind of message does that send to the rest of the community? It's not safe enough for them who know about vaccine safety, it's certainly not safe enough for me. They are in chaos. The vaccine manufacturers, the public health authorities are in chaos, utter chaos. Can you imagine what it must be like in the boardroom on K Street of the, of the company that does the marketing and advertising for the pharmaceutical companies? It's disaster. They're screaming at each other because they've lost the hearts and minds of the people. That's what they've done. And there is no way back. And you and I know this because it's not based upon the truth. And so this is what winning begins to look like. It's uncomfortable. It really is uncomfortable. But this is what it begins to look like. You have won now the majority of people to the idea that there is a problem with vaccine safety and the lie that they're safe and effective doesn't hold any longer. So when you get despondent, when you're in that dark place, remember that, okay, that it's all been worth it. Chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, telling the truth. And bear in mind also that the other side, the pharmaceutical companies, the public health authorities, Tony Fauci, have only got themselves to blame. Mm -hmm. And at the end of this video, we'll we'll put up the um, your website to so people can access your films. And uh, also, Dr. Thomas, I um, tell us a little bit about how we can help you, and we'll put that information at the end also. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. So. I called my fundraiser for this uh, legal fund free to choose. So ftc.dp, which is Dr. Paul, approved.com. So ftc.dpapproved.com. But I want to get back to the viewers. Uh, Andy's spot on. Here's the thing. Boost your immune system and do it as naturally as you possibly can. Eat real whole food if you can. Avoid toxins. Filter your water. Uh, take extra vitamin D, folks. Almost everybody walking the planet is in a state of insufficiency for vitamin D. And we know that is probably the single most important nutrient for your innate immune system. That's the branch of the immune system that helps you fight new infections like COVID-19, the SARS-CoV-2. And if you get those levels to optimal, not just normal, so most labs in the US will call normal 30 to 100, you wanna be up in the 50 to 80 range uh, if you get your vitamin D tested. And so you're gonna probably be taking as an adult at least 5,000 IUs a day. I suggest you take it with K2 so that the ad added calcium you absorb goes to the bone and isn't causing other problems. But do that, and if you're an adult, take extra melatonin, tiny doses in the morning, bigger doses like five to 10 milligrams at night. I am not making medical recommendations, by the way, because I'm not licensed in Oregon. I am still licensed, by the way, in Washington and Hawaii, uh, but check 
anything that I might say with your provider, because this is merely informational. But the point is you have control of your own immune system. Rest, exercise, and turn off the news. It's not news, it's propaganda. Take a walk in the forest and you'll notice, huh, the birds, the animals, they're happy, they're doing just fine. And all of a sudden you realize, this is an artificial world created by propaganda media. And your immune system and your ongoing health will be absolutely fine. Having said that, this COVID-19 infection for the very elderly frail with a lot of underlying conditions does seem to be extra problematic. So if you're in that category where you are high risk, sure, be careful, quarantine. Don't go indoors where people might be sick and wash your hands every time you go out, when you come in, be careful. But other than that, you don't need to live in fear. It's fear that's probably killing more of our elderly in isolation than the disease itself. But it is real, so be careful if you're high risk. But the rest of us, how many kids do you think I've had in my busy, busy practice, 10 to 15,000 active patients? How many kids have walked through my door with COVID-19? We stayed open the entire time. Mm. Zero. Not a single one. Now I attribute that to a couple things. One is I preach vitamin D, I preach, I teach, I educate on its importance every well visit. So most of my patients are at good vitamin D status, but they also practice a lot of healthy things, including not following the CDC schedule. Sorry, CDC, I have to speak the truth. I have the data now. Those of you who are scientists, go take a look at my paper. And uh, Jack Lyons Wheeler and I wrote this and I give him a lot of the credit for the detailed statistical analysis. He's, he's a whiz at that, I'm not. I'm more of a clinician in the trenches. There it is. Take a look at this paper. It's landmark, it's important. And uh, you know, let's get more research if you're a researcher. And, but you, the public, don't live in fear. Get out get active, get healthy, get outdoors without your mask, by the way, when you're outdoors, you do not need a mask when you're outdoors. Uh, and this whole concept of healthy people are causing all the infections. Yeah, it's, theoretically it might be possible, but no, that's not how disease works. I've been doing this for 35 years, sick people being indoors, coughing and sneezing on one another and rubbing their noses and touching each other. That's how disease spreads. You can go about your life with impunity and freedom and by all means, if you can avoid this vaccine, wait two years. The, the, the devastation that's about to unleash on our population when second vaccines start happening, and then of course autoimmunity takes time, sometimes a year or two or longer, the devastation is gonna be undeniable. They're gonna to try to sweep it under the carpet as something else, some new virus that appeared. But those of you who stood firm and did not vaccinate, you will look back on that as the most important decision you ever made in your life. Absolutely. Brilliant, brilliant advice. And if you take that information Dr. Paul Thomas just shared with you to your provider, as far as what you can do to build your own immune system and they don't agree with you, find a new provider. Or yep. with your inner physician who's become my guide in my health. Um, so Janet, what uh, call to action do you have before we end this wonderful discussion? Um, I think we're going to have some big changes over the next couple of years. I mean, maybe that's me being naive and optimistic, but, you know, so much of the vaccine injury for the past, you know, 20, 30 years has been in babies and young children. Now it's going to shift to adults. We're going to see a lot of adults, I think vaccine injured and and i'm hearing a lot of medical professionals now that have gotten the first dose of vaccine that are not going back for the second one because they've been really really sick so that's going to be fun to watch um what the hospitals and and employers do when folks won't go back for the second dose like i said i think that we're going to see a big change in who's getting the vaccine injury and it's going to have to be addressed because people have got to speak out um, you know, finally, you're not going to get health from your government, whether they're giving you health care or food or whatever. And people need to realize that calories don't equal nutrients. 
our bodies have got to have those nutrients in order to survive. So I, you know, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing at the local level and fighting the local press and, and educating at the local level and trying to band together with more of the local medical professionals who are telling me in private, you know, I agree with you. I just can't speak out about the vaccines and about the masks and about the mandates and this COVID treatment. So I think it's going to be very interesting over the next year or two. Maureen, I'd like to add, well said, I'd like to add one more thing. Those of you who are watching who are maybe new to this issue of what vaccines aren't safe that, you know, cause some people really are new to that concept. Please go watch Vaxxed in 1986, the act, because here's what I can say. The original Vaxxed movie was a documentary and it shows the details of how we were lied to in the studies that were presented to us, I'm talking pediatricians, but the world saying that, oh, the MMR is safe, for example, when they actually had data showing the opposite. And then Andy's new film, the act. So my wife has been with me on this journey for 35 years. We walked out of that movie and she was crying and she says, I get it. You'll get it. You, sometimes you have to get it from here to your heart. And, and we get so confused with all the, you know, studies like mine. I mean, it's like, try to read that thing. It's a lot of words. Go watch the movie, 1986, The Act. If you haven't seen Vaxxed, watch it. It is absolutely probably the most important thing you can do so you can take it from your mind to your heart and get on with getting well. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Such great information. And I think the, everyone watching this can see what damage being a target of medical persecution, what damage it causes. It makes you stronger. It makes you more courageous. That's what you, you have all become. And you're truly, truly the heroes. And, and many, many people will look at this and really be inspired to be their best selves, to, to be their strongest selves and advocates for health and for our children. And so um, I just wanna encourage everyone who's watching this to share this video with others, especially people in what we call the movable middle. You know, people who haven't made their mind up, all of us that have been converted into this mind way of thinking for many years. Sure, we can, we can share this with our friends and colleagues, but really get it out to people who may not be um, totally convinced yet because there was a lot of really important information shared on this. And, so we'll uh, make it available on the MAM website, mamm.org. There's lots of great educational material on there, as well as some of the other uh, websites we'll be listing at the end, um, Children's Health Defense and, and National Vaccine Information Center and so many others. So keep learning, stay strong, be bold, be courageous, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks, everybody.